Screens are all a part of our lives, so how do we create a healthy digital culture in our homes with our children? Well, today I talk with Kat Green, who's the founder of Everyday Empowered, about why we all need to be having a whole family approach to technology use in our homes. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their songlines and storylines and pay respects to the elders, past, present, and those that are emerging. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Oliver. And on today's episode, I'm chatting with one of my dear friends, Kat Green, who's a fellow homeschooling mama um, who also runs an amazing business called Everyday Empowered. Now, a few months ago, Kat asked Nikki and I to be her practice dummies for a new course that she created called Screen Smart Families. And look, you can ask literally anyone that I've seen between then and now, and you will know that I have absolutely raved about this course and about the knowledge that Kat brings on this topic. I really think that this is exactly what we need as parents to feel like we have a really powerful understanding of screens and how we're using them and how our families are using them. So without further ado, let's chat with my good friend, Kat. Hey, Kat, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. We've been wanting you to come on here for ages. So thank you for being here. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So we'll start right at the very beginning. You run a business called Everyday Empowered. Absolutely love this. And you started running Screen Smart Workshops for parents as part of your offering. So talk me through Everyday Empowered, what's the business, and then a little bit about the inspiration to create the Screen Smart Workshops. So Everyday Empowered, I just, I realised that we all have these intentions for living a great life, like being healthy, having a great family life, but it's actually quite hard if we don't have simple everyday little skills to be able to put it into practice. And I realized as well that even if we're really strong in one area, if we want to have a great life, we need to have skills across a wide range of topics. So even if you are really good at eating well, if you have a stressful marriage or stressful relationships and you don't have to manage conflict, you're still going to have, you know, a lesser quality of life. So it's about realizing that just having a good life comes down to simple, tiny micro skills that we can put into our everyday lives. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so I work with a, a wide range of people and I'm really excited about some of the people I work with. I think that's the one thing about you, you're so good at collaborating with people and finding those, <laughs> those people that have a skill set to really delve into something that you're really passionate about but may not be your area of expertise. And I think that's what's so brilliant about this. But um, the Screen Smart workshops, you've done a lot of research into this. So do you want to tell us about what inspired you to create it? Yeah, I realize it's actually kind of funny. So I run Screen Smart Families and it's kind of like a crash course for parents about how to parent in the digital age, particularly about how to help their families and their kids have a healthy relationship with screens. Hmm. And I kind of um, 
a while ago, I realized that everyone was blaming the kids for being really addicted to their screens. And I was mm. kind of looking around at all the adults being like, yeah, but what about us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I actually thought I'd start this workshop basically being like, come on, parents, like, let's look at how to have a healthy relationship with screens and set some boundaries and, you know, just have that really nourishing relationship. And I started doing a lot of research because I'm a bit of a research nerd. Mm-hmm. And I realized it is so much bigger than that. Like, it's not just about creating boundaries and how much we use it, but it's about who we are on the internet. And it's yes. about the attitudes we bring to that relationship, whether we bring from fear or whether we, you know, come from a real empowered, positive point of view. And that was a really big shift for me personally. And I think that's that's a big part of why I'm so excited and passionate about these particular workshops is there's been a lot of books coming out for parents over the last, just over the last couple of years. And it's really starting to shift the narrative. So early on, the narrative was all about reactive, fear-based, you know, we need to protect the kids, we need to keep them away from it. And that got, that was good for a point. It was good early on. But we kind of, if we stay there, we're actually really limiting our kids. We're not helping them to shift into that, okay, but how do I want them to interact with the internet? How can I teach them to be kind and proactive and Mm. to be a responsible digital citizen? Yeah. Yeah, and there's such a um, breadth of the way that we all approach technology, which brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, which is about what was the thing that surprised you most when you started doing the research about where you started with your thoughts on using technology and where you feel like you are now? Well, just from a personal point of view, the thing that really slapped me in my face is because I've still got two young kids and I've quite limited their access to technology early on because I really wanted them to have that foundation of a relationship with books and craft and the natural world and people but there's this tech researcher I think her name's Alexandra Samuel and she did this research that looked at people who limited the technology people who gave their kids like complete carte blanche use it whenever you want and then people who had like a more moderate approach and obviously probably the people who had a more moderate approach had much better outcomes but amazingly, the worst outcomes were from the kids of people who limited technology. Yeah. And I was kind of like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Right, because you think you're doing the right thing. You sort of think, like, especially when they're young, because you're like, oh, it won't really matter. Like, yeah, and I foundation. Exactly. And I think I still did do that because I have, because my kids are still young. I still agree with my approach. Yeah. But I think what we don't realise, if we, and this is, again, moving from protect to moving to empowered, if we do that for too long, we're not actually teaching them the digital life skills that they need to to use this to use the internet and to use screens wisely. Yeah, and I think that um, I was also mentioned that I was one of Kat's sort of test dummies for her Screen Smart Families workshop, <laughs> and I just from the moment we started, like not only is Kat just you're so art- articulate, like you know your stuff inside out, and that just inspires me to no end. But that was what you really started with that, like, you know, reframing the way we look at technology as not good or bad, but like exactly like you say, like empowering ourselves and our children to use it in a way that helps to enhance our lives. Mm, yeah. So really, that was really powerful for me. And I just, I, I just can't recommend the workshop enough. Um, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I feel like that's all I talk when people start talking about, like, we need to do Kat's workshop. It's just so important. And oh, I think the I'm reason glad. why it's so important is because 
I think we would think we know about all of this stuff, but I, mm. I, I really do believe that we need to sit down and think about it and plan for it. And because it is such a new world for us as parents is that maybe we don't know everything and that we're not aware of the things that we need to be honing in on or explicitly modeling for our children mm. as well. So yeah. what And I think as well on that, it's like how like you don't just give your keys, you don't just give your kids like keys to the car. You don't just let them cross the road by themselves. You gradually, slowly over time, impart knowledge from you to them. Yes. And I really think we need to reframe the way we look at screens. Like we don't just hand it over. We need to slowly transfer like transfer knowledge. And it's often really like nuanced, subtle knowledge about yes. how you use this device or how you make a decision in this, in, you know, in this platform. And that takes a long time. So I think when particularly going back to that, you know, the kids of limiters, because they've limited, 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 and then they've reached the age where they can't limit anymore, their kids have got no context. They've got no skills. They haven't mm. watched their parents and then being able to model it over time. Yeah. And like, so I, yeah, I really believe in taking a very slow, long road where you just talk all the time. You don't need to let yeah. them use it necessarily, but it's just part of daily life. Yeah, I find sometimes I will uh, come across something on Instagram or Facebook and it'll inspire me to sort of bring the girls to me and say, hey, I just want to show you something and I want to point out something interesting about this and, and it's like that little teachable moment about how mm. to be kind or I've noticed that this person did this really well and just give them those really overt examples of how this was done poorly or in an unkind way, all those, as you say, those really subtle things that can happen on the internet and the form of communication that we have with each other and just start imparting that wisdom to them now so that it becomes more of a foundation when they do have more exposure to it. And it, it creates such a connection and, and a talking point about different social issues because, you know, it's an extension of our world and it's an extension of our community. And yeah. we, we can really have really good conversations around that before like you say, they've just given free reign to be on there and not really know and understand the long-term repercussions. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you do that, Vic. That's great. Yeah, I've been doing it well. Very much taking it um, <laughs> <laughs> since doing your course. Can't say it loud enough. People are bad. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it too. So when I, when I talk to my kids now, it's not like, oh, I'm going on the internet. It's like, no, I'm going to do a job because one of the yeah. big mantras, so in the workshop, I've come up with these, or I've curated from different experts, like different tech mantras. Mm. And one of them is that technology is a tool. And so I really, and it's like, I have these mantras throughout my workshops that hopefully all the parents that we know and everyone who comes will just use them ad nauseum. So their pets yeah. and their kids will just always know it instinctively. And one of them is technology is a tool. And so whenever yes. I'm on my, on my screens now, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do my banking or I need to arrange our play date. So I'm going to be, you know, getting on for this and then I'm going to get right off. So yeah. it's being like, rather than just them seeing me on something, they know what I'm doing. They know it's a job. They know that I'm setting boundaries around it. Like yeah. I'm going to get off in five minutes or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because there's so much we can use our technology for because not all technology is the same. And so you talked a little bit about that in the workshop about, being really specific about technology use in the house and how we how we talk about that and mm. um, setting boundaries around that. Yeah. One thing that I've kind of based my workshops around is this idea of what I call a healthy digital culture. 
And so it's kind of like looking at the atmosphere of screen use in your home. And there's really no right and wrong. That was another interesting thing that came out of the research was that a lot of parents have got anxiety around how much time their kids are on the screens, whereas most experts, to be honest, they're not that worried about it. They see that it is an important issue, but it's actually not the most important issue, how your kids use screens and kind of whether the screens are benefiting them or harming them and the actual impact it has on your child is much more important than the, you know, actual total amount of time that they're, that they're doing. Yeah, because you can do stuff in real life or you could do it on a screen and you could get so much more about with, by doing it on a screen. Just because you're on there yeah. doesn't mean that it's necessarily a negative negative thing no. to be doing, which is why no, a lot no. of I mean, like, not that I love the idea of um, kids in schools being on technology all the time, but the reason they've moved towards that is because it can be a more productive way of working. Yeah, absolutely. And it can really enhance your learning. And it does, like, it is going to be part of their lives, whatever your opinion is, it whether you think it's good or not. And a lot of parents I talk to think it's amazing. And a lot of parents I talk to, they really hate it. But the reality is, it is part of everyone's lives. And if we don't teach our kids how to self-regulate from an early age and to teach them how to be good digital citizens, how to be kind, how to be responsible and how to learn, like have that self-reflection for themselves so they know when the internet is good for them and when it's harming their emotional, physical, mental health. Like that's, I think, one of the most important skill sets. Yeah. So I'm guessing the most common question you do get is how much screen time should my like how much is too much or what's the recommended amount of time what questions should we ask be asking then what's the question we should be talking about within our families and to our spouses and in our wider community well I'm going to change it up a little bit I actually think the most important question to ask is what's my relationship with technology as a parent Mm. because we all know that we kind of set the standards for behavior in our home and our kids will generally imitate what we do to a certain age and then they'll go Mm. their own way and rebel and all that kind of stuff maybe. But I think, and again, out of the research, like your role modelling and how you talk about it and the conversations that you can have with your kids is actually one of the most important factors in how they will use technology. So I think that would be my starting place is going, well, what what am I modelling? How am I using it? And what are my kids seeing? And what, you know, how, like you're doing with your girls, how do you bring that into conversation with them and talk about it and normalise it, you know? Yeah. It's hard to do that self-reflection, um, to think about our technology <laughs> use and, and to be completely honest about that um, and also honestly reflecting on what our children are seeing when they look over at us and we are you know, sometimes self-medicating with technology. I think a lot of people yeah, of do course. as well. Yeah, um, or we just or we get hard. distracted or we get tired yeah. or actually there is, I haven't watched it yet, but just this week came out one of Ted's youngest ever um, speakers. She's seven, I think, and she just talked about the impact of parents' screen use on kids. Wow. And she was just saying that, you know, what kids need to thrive is they need connection, they need touch, they need love, they need... Yeah mentoring they need conversation they need play and when parents are just looking at the screens I haven't watched it so you really should <laughs> watch it first <laughs> it sounds like we should all go and watch that yeah yeah and get, like I think I love that like the voices of children need yeah to, to, to hear their experience yeah 
but then, you know, I don't use technology a lot and my kids would say that I use it too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anytime they're bored and they want my attention. <laughs> <laughs> but to kind of go back and answer your question, mm. another thing that I would say we're not asking enough about as parents is like how do I gauge the impact of technology on my child and to know whether it's having an impact, a negative one or a positive one. Yeah. And so one thing that I teach, and there's a guy called um, Brad Marshall, He's the unplug- he calls himself the unplugged psychologist and he's down in Sydney and he teaches kids, I mean he teaches parents that in his book, um, The Healthy Tech Diet for Children and Teens or something. Yeah. And he really looks at developmental milestones and health-giving requirements. So he basically says, what do we need to be healthy and to have a good life? And he looks at physical, mental, educational, social, emotional, and then daily life like hygiene, having time to eat and brush your teeth. And yeah. then I've also added in nature as part of that nature connection. Yeah. And so it's like if you look at all those areas and your child is tracking pretty well, even if they're using screens more than you would like them to, it's not necessarily having a negative impact on them. Yeah. It's important. I think that it's important for parents to know this information because it just helps us to have a more relaxed and balanced approach because I've had so many conversations actually even in the last week. We go from being like, oh, you know, can't be bothered. Yes, you can use it. Yes, you know, and they're like, just 10 more minutes. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden it piles up. We're like, oh, my God, they're using it too much. Oh, it's too much, it's too much. And then we sort of like pull it all away and, and we we lose our minds. Mm. And it's this it's this roller coaster of then and then slowly it creeps back in and creeps back in and then all of a sudden we're back to where we were where they're using it all the time because we just are not, we're not making a decision that we're happy with and yeah. we're exhausted and we're parents and all of those things. But when we when we have, when we talk about it and remind ourselves, because I'm so glad that I'm, I'm going through this with you all again, because it's that reminder that I always need. I need to go back over the stuff that I have read and that I know and that I love, because we do get lost. There's so much to know, so much to, to mm. remember when we're parenting, if we want to be doing the best we can for our kids. Yeah. Um, is to just, it, when we're armed with it, like you say before, empowering ourselves, it becomes less of that highs and lows roller coaster, and we can have much more of a balanced approach and we're not confusing our children with the message with messages that we're sending. Yeah, of course. And mm. I think it goes back to what we're saying. Like if we look at one of the most important determinants is how we role model, you know, even if we just look at I want to have a good life, like I want to be healthy and to have a balanced relationship with technology. Yeah. And so if I can learn these skills and implement it in my own life, you know, even aside from what my kids are doing, then I'll be able to parent them in a way that's much more intuitive because it's not something I'm having. It's not like a hat I'm having to put on, like, oh, I've got yeah. to put on my technology hat and remember all these rules. It's just like I know how to look after myself, so I know yeah. how to teach that to my kids. Yeah, exactly. For me, one of the biggest concerns about I guess when the girls are a little bit older and they're using technology in a different way to the way that they're using it now is how they deal with relationships online. More importantly Mm. at this stage, probably friendships and being good citizens and I guess down the track, um, you know, intimate relationships. What would you say some of the important skills that we need to be either explicitly teaching, role modelling or having conversations about in regards to our interactions with others online? Well, what would I kind of want to again? <laughs> I do this. I do this a lot in this workshop. I think it's a really good question, but I kind of want to change the question a little bit because I think, 
you know, and get you to invite you to answer that for yourself. What would you Mm. do if your kids were having problems just at the playground or at some of our homeschooling events? How would you coach them or tackle that with them? Yeah, well, I guess I'm always coming at it from a place of empathy and trying to understand both sides of the story and making sure that we come up with solutions together. Yeah. That's probably how I would tackle that. Yeah, because I think that this is one of the big myths is that within the technology and digital parenting realm, a lot of people like the question is like, it's a tech issue. How do my kids interact with this? But really it's about, it's not even a tech issue. It's a social Mm, issue and it's a relationship issue. And I like to remind parents that you you haven't necessarily done it online, but you can, you can parent your kids through those experiences and you can parent you. And you even went through experiences like that. They were just in the analog world. Mm. But I think that remembering that this area is just an extension of what we're already doing and to not necessarily, and our kids, like this is another interesting thing from the research is that kids actually don't differentiate between online and offline. Yeah. So for them, it's much more seamlessly integrated. And actually there was a really interesting story where some boy went, his parents made him go to a psychologist because of a relationship that he was having. And he was talking to her for like half an hour about his girlfriend. And it literally took her half an hour to work out his girlfriend was in an entirely different country in an entirely different continent. And that's, but the way they were talking about it, he was like, oh yeah, she said the other day and she spoke about this and I saw her doing this. And he, like just the words they used, she had no idea that it was was all happening online. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because it is like we have closed the gaps between distance. And I think there's a beauty in that for people that don't find the right, the, the types of people that really see them. Uh, and validate their experience or share common interests in their local area in real life they can actually find that online and I think that that's a beautiful thing for our society to be able to have yeah yeah definitely and that's one of those empowered positive you know outcomes yeah I think it's always how do we keep that in balance with what else we need to have a healthful you know rich full life which would then be Yes, find those people online because I've got many communities of interest online that really enrich my life. But if I spent all my life online, I'd almost be like sensory deprived and I wouldn't be outside. Yeah. I wouldn't be moving my body. I wouldn't have, you know, real life friends who get to hug me, smell me. <laughs> yeah. So it's not about having that balance. It's, a, it's about finding all those things that help to make you feel whole um, yeah. and hoping that you can find that online and would you call it analog world like that? yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool um yeah. I guess one of the things I, I do worry about or what I, I'm actually really explicit about to the to the girls is that what goes online can stay online like it's not like when you say something in real life to someone and only the people in that room or that location heard what you said um yeah there can be repercussions for that and so that you just need to be a little bit more you need to think a little bit harder before you type anything or you write anything or you comment on something yeah um, because you might you have you might be quite emotional when you say those things um and not be not might thinking about it and I think you're right like as much as I said before that the digital world is just an extension of your parenting and it's not always tech issues there definitely are tech components that we need to Mm. teach them like even nuances of platforms like something that might be okay to do on Instagram might be not okay to do on on Facebook or on TikTok so there is Mm. 
or there's safety issues like, you know, how do you teach your kids about online grooming and what, what are some of those red flags? Yeah. And so I've kind of, and then there's also things like how do you know when to take a conflict or a heated conversation offline so it's a real mm. face-to-face conversation or on, over the phone conversation. So there yeah. is nu- nuance to that. And I just think that's digital. It's just etiquette across the board. But rather yeah. than having etiquette like how to speak to someone face-to-face and how to write them an email, it's like email, face-to-face, TikTok, yeah. Instagram. It's like it's just many more platforms. You it's know? just tweaking what we already know in terms of um, etiquette and conflict yeah. resolution and just tweaking those so that we have that extra understanding of the layers of um, complexity that happens in the different parts of our world. And that's yeah. something that I, I'm quite confident because I'm, I'm really self-aware about some of these things. But um, sometimes I, I do when I'm listening to other people's conversations and I think, oh, there's just, there just seems to be a little bit of awareness with parents about making sure that this is part of their conversations that they're having with their children. That's why I think that doing a workshop like yours is so important because it just highlights these things. And it and it's not like, I think what I took from your workshop most importantly was at, ne- at no point did I feel like I was failing or that I'd made the wrong choices. It was just all of these like empowering ways to, to take, like feel like I was in more, con- more control of more myself and what mm. I you know, about the whole situation and just understanding that if I'm worried about something, then all I need to do is have, understand the, the issue. And then I've got a whole range of strategies to take with me to make sure that we are all having a safe and happy time when we're yeah. using our devices. Yeah. And I really believe in the power, like what I wanted to do when putting together this workshop, and I've given a really comprehensive workbook, was I kind of wanted to give you like a lot <laughs> of stuff that a you lot. need it. A lot. And it can sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but if you if you break it down and say, okay, I've got three years worth of conversations and I'm gonna use mm. this workbook so that every Monday night for the rest of our lives we'll just subtly, very subtly over dinner, I'll introduce a tech related conversation. <laughs> and if you don't know what to talk about, you just can go to the workbook and be like, okay, well, I haven't talked about this yet, so let's tick that off. Or I haven't. Yeah. And then you can Google a story or bring up a question at the dinner table or, you know, mine your own experience in the digital world. And it's just about talking about it continuously and in everyday life. So it's just a part of your family culture. So yeah. when they have a problem online or when they're curious about something online, you've already opened that line of communication. They know that they can come to you. And be like, oh, mom, I saw this thing. Um, I'm really, I, I don't know what to think about. Or, or often, like one of the um, the things they suggest is like show them your social media feeds, like when they're getting older, like yeah. to, to when they're going to use it themselves. Show them your social media feeds, or look at their friends' social media feeds, and go, you know, what do you think about this person? What they've posted? What kind of mm. in, what impression are they making? Do you think that that's a part of their digital reputation? That's you know helpful for them or harmful or how would you do it yeah what so you use it as a conversation piece yeah something that I thought of too then was one of the really important points you made were about boundaries is that a lot of and I know this happens it's probably the first thing a lot of parents go to is if their if their child uh, oversteps a rule in terms of how they've used their technology that we've got to differentiate the type of infraction or whatever the word I can't think of the right word that was the right yeah yeah Yeah. um is that 
one of the worst things you can do if you're trying to make sure that your children come to you at those times when they really need to be getting your advice is taking their device away if they've viewed something on the internet that is not appropriate or, you know, whether yeah. that's pornography or whatever it is, yeah. is that our instinct might be, well, you've done the wrong thing, you've watched the wrong thing and now you, you've you lost your right to use it. Mm-hmm. And that's something you don't recommend at all. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Thanks for opening that up. That was one of the most heartbreaking parts of the research that I found was that a lot of kids have had really negative experiences online, but they haven't gone to their parents because they've been afraid, like really afraid that they'll take their devices away from them. Mm. And so, you know, some of the, the digital experts that I was looking at said, make sure your kids know that you won't take their devices away from you, particularly if they come to you with a problem that they didn't even initiate. You know, Mm. like if someone's contacted them online, then they want to know that they can come to you and they're not going to lose access to their device. And also there's so one of the things I've done in the workshop is go through the process of creating a family technology agreement and Mm. how do you co-create age-appropriate rules with your kids and what that might look like. And we kind of go through the where, what, who, why, how, like it's structured on yeah. that process. And the favourite part that you're talking about is is the um, what if section. And I think not enough parents do this with their kids. Yeah. And it's not it's not only talking about what happens if you break one of the rules, which is what you were talking about. There's two different types of rules. There's like a time, a time infraction. This is yeah. Jodie Gold. She called them infractions. Yeah. And so... Jody Gold says there's time and content. And she says time is the one that most parents are worried about. And that's what yeah. I hear the most about, but it's the least important. She said the content infractions are much more serious because that's where kids are being mean online. They're visiting racist or sexist sites. They're using pornography. They're selling or buying illicit drugs. It's like, mm. it's actually what they do online that can cause the most problems. Yeah. And that's where you really need to have clear boundaries and consequences with your kids. Yeah. And that's what I loved about the workshop because it was really, it was so clearly stepped out for you. Yeah. And it was reassuring, wasn't it? Because you're like, oh, like, okay, you know, whatever. And then the other part of that what if section that I love that I think a lot of us don't do is actually talking with our kids. Like what if you see something scary online? What Mm. if someone says something to you? What if you meet someone online and then they want you to go and talk to them on another platform or so we don't kind of do this scenario planning with our kids so they know what to do or like what if you're on the playground and the kid shows you something you know you're not supposed to see or what if you are at a sleepover and someone brings out their phone and takes awkward photos and wants to post it about a friend's you know, it's yeah. It's this advanced scenario planning where you get to have those conversations and then if, if it actually happens, your kids can be like, well, I know what to do. Mum told yeah. me. Yeah, and I think also to remember that some people have decided not to have these conversations with their children because they sort of think like it's giving them permission to know. Like if you, if it's like if you, if you tell them about it, then it sort of gives them this permission to go and do it and they'll be curious. Mm. But I think it's important for parents to remember is that children are going to come across this content and it's better that they hear it from you first and they know what to do in those situations than for the reverse to happen. So, you know, we're preempting all of these scenarios so that we can be that source of support through them instead of them finding out on their own 
maybe not feeling like they can go to you about it because you haven't had open conversations and been honest with them about the content in the first place and maybe you're not going to be the go-to place Mm. and the safe place for them to go because you've never had these awkward conversations and this extends beyond just tech use. This can be anything to do with, you know, sex education or, you know, um, consent and, you know, relationships and all of those sorts of things is that they're better here, they're better off having mm. this conversation with you. It's important that it happens in the home. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it, to be honest, all of this stuff, it goes back to your parenting. It goes back to your relationship with your child mm. and your capacity to show respect, to show empathy and understanding and to ask questions and to have an open conversation. I think that's why, yes, it's important to know like the tech mantras that I give you or the very few basic safety rules that you really need to know for your kids to be safe online. But the most important thing is that your relationship with your child. So important. It's the most important thing that always comes yep. back to that. Yep. All right, Kat, I'm just going to fire our rapid fire questions at you now. So what are you reading at the moment? Oh, you're always reading things. I don't know how <laughs> sure this question's going to be, although I love your answers. Um, what is your favourite thing that you're reading at the moment? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you about a book called Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace yeah. Lynn. And I have raved about it to anyone who's met me within the last month. <laughs> we read, it's that book about this, like the epic Chinese yes, folk tales. Yes, you've been me. I have heard you talk about this one. Oh, dude, I've literally, because we read half the book in one day yeah. and then finished it two days later. And my friend did the same with her kids. And then ever, I've got a list of people wanting to borrow it. And the trilogy, <laughs> oh my God, it's so amazing. And it's like, from a homeschooling point of view, it's like story, it's literature, narrative, geography, history, <laughs> you know, it's Chinese folk tales, it's epic quests with dragons, it's mythology, it's, you know, moral lessons. It's an amazing book. Honestly, next time I see you, re- remind me, I'm just going to buy it because I'll forget otherwise. Yeah, yeah no, buy borrow it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not going to borrow it. I'm going to buy it. If you think no, it's no, that good, I'm going to buy it. It is. And buy the yeah. trilogy because she weaves she weaves all these stories within the whole trilogy. Like it's she's she's a master. Like it's incredible. It's so good. I, I yeah. love how enthusiastic, like, you know, you've hit on a winner when you're that enthusiastic about a book review. <laughs> it's no good. I actually, I read a lot of kids' books and I actually think it's one of the best I've ever read. Oh, that's really cool. I enjoy reading kids' books as well, actually. Yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, um, cool. All right, switching tones. If you could change one thing about the education system, what would it be? Oh, um, I think, well, I don't have anything specific, but I do think that education needs to be based on respect and curiosity. Mm. So I think if I change anything, I'd change, just change, even if they have to be within that system, and I don't know if they should be, but it needs to be one where you're encouraging open curiosity and you're not shutting down people's questions and telling them to be quiet and follow the lines and stopping Mm. them when they're mid flow. I think that we need to encourage curiosity and respect kids' questions and not just shut them down because they're thinking about something different than they're supposed to be doing. And then there's probably all the whole being outside and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) I feel like it's a really hard question to ask sometimes. How do you nail it down? (laughs) Yeah, but it's always nice to hear um, people's perspectives. Uh, And then where do you go to recharge and rewind after a hard day or a busy day or a a busy week? Depending what's going on. Sometimes I go to my yoga mat. I really Mm. like doing yoga. And sometimes if I'm, if I'm with my kids, we'll just go outside anywhere with water mm. or leaves or sticks or rocks for them to jump on. So, yeah, beautiful. 
All right. When are you running your next workshops of Screen Smart Families and where can our listeners find out more about Everyday Empowered? Great. Um, so the next workshop, Screen Smart Families workshop, is actually in a couple of weeks. It's August 15th and it's going to be in Yandina. Mm-hmm. And people can find out more about that workshop and all the other work I do at everydayempowered.com.au. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. So good. Um, Kat's always dropping little nuggets of wisdom that help me through my week. So she's definitely worth following. <laughs> I'm really glad that you got so much out of it and <laughs> you integrating all the workshop ideas and stuff. That's the best thing to do. Like that's the oh, best that's the best kind of feedback is that it's actually helping families and helping you have a better relationship and feeling more confident with it and your kids are going to, you know, yeah. have better relationship with technology. I'm so lucky that we are surrounded by people like yourself that's just so part of our community and my kids' lives that they have people like you to as their role models. My kids mm. adore you. And um so we're just very grateful and I'm so I'm so glad that we were able to speak on the podcast and share um share what you have to offer with the world. Yeah, so thanks Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I love having conversations with you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> now everyone gets to listen to it. <laughs> but that's not all because now I'm going to ask you the personal questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, Kat, on a more personal note, so we, we've on the podcast uh, we talked to you about your Scream Smart Families workshops, but the reason why you and I are such good friends is because we actually homeschool our children and um, we hang out a lot. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's rewind all the way back to what made you think about homeschooling your girls in the first place? You know, I'm going to have such a boring answer to this because the honest fact is that I don't know. I just always knew I was going to homeschool. Mm. <laughs> and and I don't cool. even know how. I just, yeah. like, it was never, it was, school was never something I, conti- I considered. Yeah. And, but I read a book early on when my kids were little by Ben Hewitt. Have you read that Home at Grown book? I think Grown I've read half of it. I haven't, I haven't gone all the way through, but I know lots about it because homeschoolers talk about it all the time. Yeah, so he's like me, like that real, well, he's actually living the life, but you know that um, idyllic rural homesteading yeah. country kind of life. And he just, through the stories in his book, he just talked about how kids learn naturally. Like it's innate, mm. it's innate within them that capacity and that quest for learning and how if you just get out of their way they'll just do that and when I read that my kids were doing that you know they were learning to walk they were learning to talk they were learning to climb up ladders like just crazy stuff and so I just realized it just gave me confidence that they didn't need to be sat in a room and told what to learn if I just supported them in what they were showing their in what they were showing they were interested in then they were just going to learn anyway yeah yeah, so true. And sometimes it is as simple as that. Yeah, and I think that we're so, my husband and I were such lifelong learners. Like they could not learn in our family. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're learning. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, uh, do you know what? That's one thing. Nobody knows what anyone's learning, what anyone has learned at all because I've learned no, stuff and no. forgotten it. And I think that's something to be really clear about is just because you're taught something doesn't mean that you've learned it. Exactly. I think I think learning is you actually w- wanting to acquire information that's relevant and useful to your life, and that mm. you know when I study my herbalism or my husband was start studying his pilot's license, adults learn in a style that's very similar to kids, and it seems to only be the school system that makes learning less natural and less intuitive. Like mm. they say, here's the box, here's 
and it doesn't seem to mimic the way kids and adults learn. Yeah, and I think that was a big wake-up call for me too is once that I started to actually delve into things, and I I think that started with parenting, is um, wanting to learn so much more about a world that I didn't know anything about but I really wanted to know. I wanted to know all about the history of human beings as parents (laughs) and how we evolved and how... Um, people in tribal communities raise their children and, and and I just everything about that was so fascinating to me mm. and that was the first time in my life where I actually learned something because I, I wanted to know the information and it was yes. so relevant to me and yeah I think that's what led me on the, the the very initial garden path of questioning how we learn and how we formalize that. It kind of sounds as well like you had that similar insight that I did. It's like you just learn to trust the process and I think yeah. that trust is the key component in it. And, yeah. whatever, when, and when you can, whatever theory you have in your head or whatever you hear from other people, I think you need to have a direct experience with it so that mm. you can trust in that for yourself and for your family. Yeah, maybe that's a big reason why a lot of families who embark on homeschooling to begin with, particularly if they've started in the system, find find it very difficult is because they're really having to to shut off the the way that we've been conditioned to to look at education and learning, um, mm. and it's that track, and it's really scary to trust it. It's really scary to trust that it could look the way that we sure it could look, but we're just not convinced. Or we haven't seen it work for ourselves. So without yeah. the evidence, without someone telling us that it works, it's hard, that that trusting is a very big leap. Yeah, and we want peace of mind. Like we all want to know that like, we're doing the best and our kids are going to be okay and we're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think another part of that puzzle, aside from just trust, is I really think an important skill is being able to define success for yourself. Yes. And if you don't have that clear vision for your life or for your kid's life and if you don't have, you know, a bit of a strength of conviction to say that what you're doing is successful in your own eyes, then I think it's too easy to take on the voices of everyone else and to go in their direction. Like you need to be able to listen to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not being drawn into the comparisons of, of what success looks like to a child that attends a, a traditional school because mm, that will yeah. look completely different. Uh, their priorities yeah. are completely different. Or even what success looks like, like, you know, we often think about what our kids need now based on what their their future adult success is. So a lot of people think, oh, my kids need to get into college or they need to score well in this mm. or they need extracurriculars. Well, I don't care about that. I trust that my kids are going to follow the call that's inbuilt in them yeah. and that it's my job to listen to them, to get to know them, to, to support them, to encourage them yeah. along that path and to learn that they are capable, that they can learn things, that they yeah. can try new things, they can fail, they can make mistakes and keep on learning. Yeah. For me, for me that's what success looks like, not whether they know certain dates or certain subjects by a certain time. Yeah, exactly. It's very it's a very liberating and freeing feeling um mm. for me and then also I think for for my children and I I envy them every day I just look at their I think about their week and I think oh they've just I'm just so so glad that they get to live the life that they live and the skills and and the friendships and the community that we've built were just very, very lucky. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, so lucky is not the word. I'm very grateful is what I am. Um, all right, so some people are really curious as to what a week in the life of a homeschooling family looks like. Do you want to describe what an average week may look like for you guys? What sort of things <laughs> that you prioritise? Um, 
<laughs> it's not an easy question to answer, but I mean, like just generally. It's, it's not. So uh, there's a couple of foundations in my mm. week and in my rhythm. So one really important foundation for my family life is that we take it slow. Mm. And so I realize that a lot of learning happens when they're bored. It happens when they're playing by themselves. It happens like, you know, we were talking about Australian politics and the government over breakfast this morning. <laughs> and so rather that rather than that being like a really quick eat your breakfast and get out the door, it's like I, I want to have wiggle room or margin in my schedule so that when something strikes our interest, we have time to follow that. Yeah. So good. Um, so that's really important to me to like just leave lots of white space to allow mm. for that. And then we are outside a lot. We go to some social things, but we say no to a lot of stuff as well. We kind of do different activities. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, but that's, I think that's the point is to um, let people know that the day in the life of a homeschooler just, or a week in the life of a homeschooler doesn't look yeah. the same and that we all no. have different ways of, of um, having things that are important to us um, or important to our children um, and that can be different as well term to term so I know some terms for me are really hectic and then other terms I just let everything go and it's a lot more slow um, and that fits in with my business work as well as what the girls need as, as well well yeah because it's what suits the family and it's yeah. just, and like the other thing is it's child-led a lot of times so when you change activities or whether you're going to go and do something or like you know it's important for me because my kids are still younger to be teaching them life skills. Like I think the most important things for them is to take time so they put their laundry away every day or they help yeah. us wash the dishes or, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at bugs or playing and letting them play. And I kind of make time in our schedule for the things that they're interested in. And I think that's why every homeschooler's week will look different because their kids are different and their, exactly. their interests are different. Exactly. Um, one of our foundations is books. We're always surrounded by books and stories. <laughs> yeah, we well, are. Uh, love it. So we tried to do it. We we need to start it up again. The book book club was amazing. We were having so much fun with that, sharing books yeah. um, with each other. That was, it yeah, was, that was fun. Um, time to spend together. Um, and just the last question I wanted to ask you about is how you manage your time with your burgeoning business um, and how you manage that around being homeschooling mum I'm just a mum <laughs> well that is a very good question <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a very clear answer I think that for me and my personality and how I like to work I actually do like to have like a defined work day mm. where I clock on and I clock off and it, it's not to say I have it like it's not really in our schedule yet we're still working towards that that would be but, ideal though yeah, because it's kind of just for my personality. When I get yeah. into it, I like to be really deep and focused. And then I also like to be able to put it down and go away. So my worst days are where I'm kind of like half in home mode and half in work mode. Yes. And my attention is distracted. So I can't really happily wash the dishes, but I also can't happily work because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not really doing either and it's yeah. really frustrating. <laughs> and sometimes that's just the way it is for the moment until you can find space in, and, and sometimes it's a sacrifice that you have to make in order for it to work. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a continual evolution. Like it's, and yeah. it's also deciding what's most important this week and we juggle yeah. everything. So we juggle my husband's business, we juggle our, you know, our home building, we juggle the homeschooling yeah. and it's, we make sure that over the month or over a six-month period it all gets balanced and yeah. they all kind of get attended to. But it's not necessarily that every week's going to look the same. Yeah, I love that. I love that we can sort of zoom out 
and and make sure that we are taking a balanced approach but not just like every day it's not like every, like worrying that today wasn't balanced well, this no, week yeah. wasn't balanced. No, it's <laughs> got to be over. It's got to be over the long term. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be over a much longer period of time. But I think yeah. also, ha- having said that, always having your foundations. Like yeah. my foundation, and it's. I think this is the evolution of learning about yourself and understanding your own personality. But you know, one of my anchors in my life is that I always do bedtime with the kids. We have really special mm. times. We always read stories together every day, and we're outside. And when I find myself too distracted and busy to settle down and play or have good conversations with my kids, I know that something's really out of kilter and out of whack. Mm. And so I think it's when you have those those points, those anchors in your life and you go, okay, well, it's not balanced and this is actually what's important to me and this is what needs to come first. You know, in amongst the juggles, I never want to get so off course that I get to the end of a week or six months or whatever it is and say, oh, I never connected with my kids or I never yeah. got outside or I didn't move my body. So I start yeah. with my foundations mm-hmm. and then we look at how that works. <laughs> I always find so much inspiration from talking to you. So thank you so much for talking to me all about your homeschooling and just your the way you empower yourself every day. Kat, oh, love it. Thanks. Thanks, Vic. I hope it was not too much of a ramble. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. We loved it. Oh, I hope this episode has helped to empower you in your relationships between technology and your family. I just love how Kat reframes our ideas and our thoughts, especially seeing is that we're all parenting pioneers when it comes to living with screens and technology. Now, before we go, I thought that I would just mention that we finally had a really huge shipment of Openel products. So that's our whittling knives, our secateurs, folding saws, even the sheaths to hold your little knives in so if you've been waiting to purchase now is a great time to jump on the shop and restock your adventure kit don't forget we also have a really cool range of children's books and some great resources for parents and other adventure items like our really popular fire strikers so to shop now you can head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash shop as always we love doing this journey with you so until next time stay wild stay wild